Hi guys and welcome back for episode 14. Welcome back, Mark. How's your week been? It has been very rainy. It's very wet. I know, second winter, just what we needed to lift our spirits in exactly. 2020. And then, uh, of course, Halloween was last night. Yes. And... Uh, I can't say that it still has the same buzz as it did last year. Look, I love you dearly, but you really phoned it in with your costume. My costume was great. Okay. So basically it cost me $13.95. That was the cost of the texture. Yes. And a white t-shirt, which I had already. Yeah. And I bought one of those high-vis uh, vests. Yep. And on the front of my t-shirt, I wrote 2020. Yep. And on the back of the uh, vest, I wrote COVID-19 safety marshal. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a great costume. It was so cheap. And uh, really, I don't ever want to see that uh, creature again. So hopefully that's the last Halloween costume we see of the COVID marshal. I went as a single woman in her 30s alone at home on a Saturday night and in bed by nine o'clock. Didn't you do that last Halloween? I think I do that every day. Right, okay. Yeah, it's consistency. (laughs) So today we're obviously going to be discussing the impending US election because that's all anybody's talking about. It's only a couple of days away. So it'll be what, our Wednesday? Wednesday? is when it will be taking place and we'll obviously get the results over here. Uh, So how are you feeling personally about the upcoming week with hopefully, maybe, some, I don't know, sanity coming back to the White House? Well, I don't know. I'm not that uh, hopeful because obviously back when uh, Hillary Clinton was going against Trump and uh, all the polls said that she was going to win, I remember being in the newsroom that day and we were looking at stations like CNN and... Uh, Fox News Mm. and everything and how it was all coming in and uh, initially it looked like it was going to be a Hillary Clinton victory the Mm. first female president I think yeah and uh, and then there was a massive turn and there were gasps in the newsroom Mm. how they thought a reality television star could become president Mm -hmm. and uh, we saw that happen and he's been president ever since and the world definitely changed that day. Pretty majorly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Hillary Clinton really is sort of a distant memory. Mm. But um, so I think uh, a lot of people are thinking, oh, the polls are looking good, like it will be a, a Biden victory, there will be change. Um, but I'm not 100% sold. I think it will be a close contest still. I agree. I'm not giving any kind of credence to anything, particularly not the polls, for the very reason you just stated. And the fact that she won by the popular vote by the millions, and even that didn't really have any bearing on the outcome. So it's not even that necessarily the polls were incorrect. Uh, I think that they were predicting a landslide, and it certainly wasn't a landslide. But looking at their system with the Electoral College, even if the polls were somewhat accurate, Mm. because of their system, it didn't really mean anything. No. So I'm just too reticent to be as confident as I was four years ago whenever anybody said oh do you think there's any chance it was just a flat out there is no way he's going to be elected mm. and I just am not anywhere near as confident I don't believe as anything I anymore I think no anything can happen anything um is possible yeah. so I think everyone will be watching very closely I think what was interesting um a few days ago there was another tragedy uh, followed by nights of unrest in Philadelphia. Mm. So there was uh, the fatal shooting by police of Walter Wallace, a black man in Philadelphia, and uh, we saw that um, he was the 27-year-old was carrying a knife and had it appears was suffering mental health issues. His family said that they called the emergency services themselves for medical help on that day, but then of course he was killed by another police officer in the United States mm. and. 
this is actually a Democrat state, Philadelphia. And again, this plays into Donald Trump's narrative that all the unrest uh, that happens in the United States as a result of all these killings of black people uh, happens in Democrat states. So Mm. he's politicised it to say, well, I'm going to bring law and order to the United States um, and if, you know, Biden gets in power, then you'll have anarchy in a lawless state, which is... What we have now. <laughs> well, you could argue that it's a bit like that already, right? Exactly. And, and that is the irony of in any kind of debate scenario. He's gone repeatedly for Biden saying, you had, you know, eight years, you had eight years and you've been in politics for this long and all these things you promised that you're going to do, you haven't done them. Well, same can be said for Donald Trump saying, I'm going to bring law and order back to America and we've never seen you know, such a, a resurgence of violence, particularly from the uh, civil rights movement, which has seen, you know, with the Black Lives Matter and all of the uh, all of the protests that have been going on for the majority of this year, would be indicative. No, he's certainly not the candidate to do that. No. Um, and when we do a comparison back to Obama and Biden when they were in power, it certainly wasn't as unpredictable and... Uh, yeah, dangerous as it is now to be in America. You've got to remember as well, one of the reasons I think Trump got in initially, um, I think it was 2016, wasn't yes. it? Um, the reason, one of the reasons he got in is because people were sick of the same old, same old, and he offered a very different version of US politics, mm. a very radical version. And to a lot of people, he was a breath of fresh air. And so my concern with this as well is that... Uh, Joe Biden has been around for a very long time. Mm. Uh, he was vice president um, under the Obama administration, and now he is coming back. Um, so we do know he does resonate well among black voters, mm-hmm. African-Americans. Yeah, their turnout has been pretty incredible. And the vote that he received in the primaries, the Democratic primary, I think that in some states um, that Bernie Sanders got like 13% of the black vote, whereas Biden got like 74% or something, uh, which was extraordinary. And I think that comes back to him being tied to Obama yes. and, and what Obama did. But I think what also is interesting, some of the things I've read this morning, uh, Mr. Biden is unlikely to hold on to Hillary Clinton's strong showing with Latino voters. And so I think that's why we've seen him... Um, in some key states like Florida campaigning very hard. Florida, of course, is Republican controlled. Mm. Um, But um, a a batch of high quality Florida polls, which I read this week, um, have come out showing that Mr. Biden with an advantage of three to six percentage points among the state's likely voters. So uh, there is um, some evidence to suggest that uh, he is in a strong position to potentially win Florida. But again... Uh, we also know that um, Florida has successfully predicted the victor in the past six presidential elections. Yeah. So if you don't win Florida, then it's unlikely you will be president. But um, I've been to Florida and I've been to Miami, which is more liberal mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, I wouldn't say Miami itself is a Trump supporting area. It is a lot of Latinos live there. But Florida itself. But Florida itself is. State. And so if you go to places like West Palm Beach, which is away from Miami, um, if you walk around, there are um, Make America Great Again hats and there are um, flags everywhere. Mm. And so it'll be interesting to see if uh, he can claw back um, Florida to win. I think it's also a bit of a difference from 2016 in that, you know, uh, like you said, Trump represented 
something that was different, whether it was better or worse. It was just that it was different. They were sick of the same old. They didn't want just, you know, the old professional politician coming out and trotting out the same lines and making the same policy promises. Uh, And Bernie Sanders was obviously also running in 2016. And even though he's far more uh, left leaning, he represented something similar, like real significant change. It wasn't just the same party line being trotted out. And because Bernie's uh, support base is so strong, much like Trump, they're really they. It's really uh, kind of his personality has a lot of draw. I think he he and Trump both represent radical versions of you know the Democrats yes. and the Republicans, and so there Bernie are a lot is of, much more progressive. Although a lot of people say Bernie Sanders supporters are quite extreme as well and that's precisely so in 2016 when bernie obviously didn't uh win the democratic nomination and it went to hillary clinton his base basically uh went into this mindset of yep we're never trump but we're also never hillary so Mm. the democratic vote was so splintered and really had a huge bearing on hillary clinton losing the presidency whereas this year there's been a lot more collegiality and a lot more uh, of a message that we are all banding together to get Trump out of office, regardless of all of our splintering out in terms of our political beliefs, that the main goal is to get Trump out of office and that you have to set aside whatever your very specific democratic beliefs are to get a Democrat into the White House. I think um, also we know that turnout has been running high um Generally, we know that there have been more than 7 million ballots cast as of Thursday night. Yeah, the, the percentage is up hugely Nearly from 80% of the total votes cast in 2016. So um, the fact that there are so many people going out to vote might suggest that there is a push for change, mm. but whether or not... Um, what that change is yes. is really what unclear. does that actually represent? We also know, we have to remember that white women were... Sadly, I say this as a white woman who doesn't support (laughs) this outcome, but it was about 51% of white women voters who uh, voted for Trump in 2016. And what they're tracking, again, polls, we're not giving too much credence, but it is indicating to some degree that he's lost a lot of the uh, white women vote. And I think that's probably got a lot to do with COVID. Obviously, women are heavily invested in sort of the health of their families Mm. and the bearing of uh, COVID on each individual family, I think probably would have turned a lot of people against Trump. Well, also we know um, as well as of this week, um, 100,000 COVID-19 cases every day in the United States. Mm. Uh, Just last week it was 80,000. So it's gone up 20,000. Obviously this is one of the biggest issues affecting this election uh, this year, and, and I think those numbers, because obviously it's over two hundred thousand deaths this year in the U.S. alone from COVID, the highest uh, mortality uh, that we've seen worldwide. But Chris Hayes from I think he's on MSNBC. He was saying the other day that's the equivalent of you know a seven four seven going down every single day mm. and wiping out every single life on board and when you put it into that kind of number because 200 that's overwhelming it's so hard to Mm. wrap your head around but we forget that these are individuals these are mothers fathers you know brothers sisters grandparents Mm. uh who have been lost and somebody is responsible for that and certainly the government is to whatever degree however you analyze that is responsible and 
I think that we need to also reflect on the fact that elections, particularly in America, when you have a current sitting president and they're running for re-election, uh, it tends to be a referendum on sort of the biggest issue they've faced, right? So with Obama, it was the global financial crisis. Mm. So when he went for re-election, people were really casting their vote on the job that he'd done in his first four-year term. Same with Bush. It was a referendum on how he'd handled 9-11. Uh, and this hopefully will be a referendum on how Trump has handled COVID because this is the biggest crisis that he's had to deal with. Mm. And if people are going to vote on that basis, gives me some confidence that you couldn't possibly give him high marks across the board for how he's handled COVID. No, and I think um, there are a few things with COVID-19 that have struck a bit of a chord. So we know just today, I think uh, Britain has gone into a a month long yes. lockdown mm-hmm. uh, because it's um, there are similar numbers in the UK in terms of the amount of um, people transmitting the disease. Um, but I think, uh, you know, uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson was very against another lockdown, said that this won't happen. And now he's had to say, well, actually, this is the only option. And we've seen what a four month lockdown has done in Melbourne. Mm. And, and people are looking now to Melbourne uh, in, in Australia to sort of see how they've done it because Mm. they went from such high numbers to now zero. Mm. And of course that lockdown has been lifted this week. We're seeing people go out to cafes and even just the, the really small thing of sitting down in a cafe and having a coffee there, as opposed to takeaway, um, those type of things coming back to life. Mm. We also know Paris has gone uh, not just Paris, but the whole of France have also gone into a hard lockdown. Belgium just had huge rates soar as well. I well, think they've had a massive spike. Being yeah, next to France. Yeah. But, um, so we are seeing these lockdowns. I don't know though. I mean, obviously under Trump, there will never be a lockdown. I don't think. I mean, we still see him at the rallies um, this week and last week where he's not wearing a mask. He's saying... He's mocking people who are wearing masks. Exactly. And he's also saying, well, you know, I beat COVID. It's not that bad. And we knew he was going to say that. And we knew that if he beat COVID, that this could actually really swing in his favour, that he could potentially win the election Mm. on the fact that his rhetoric of saying that this disease isn't that serious uh, is now becoming a reality Mm. to his uh, support base because they believe in him. They're Mm. turning out to those rallies. And if he's saying, you know, the president's saying that COVID's not that bad. It's a hoax. A lot of people Mm. will believe it. So um, that's also quite concerning. And especially when education in the United States, I mean, you know, um, there is no such thing as sort of a free education in the mm. United States. So there are a lot of people that will just believe what they what a president tells them. And that's the thing that really concerns me, that as much as people are seeing the election as, you know, a lot of people are hopeful that this is going to restore a little bit of sanity and a little bit of predictability. And if Biden gets back out, gets in, then hopefully there will be, I don't know, some kind of common sense uh, returning to government. But a huge concern and what we're seeing with businesses being boarded up, Mm. houses being boarded up, is the fear of civil unrest, regardless of how it goes. That if Trump doesn't get in, he's clearly indicated that he's going to call, uh, he's basically going to state that it's a fraudulent election. He's been sowing those seeds with his comments about mail-in voting, uh, similar to what he did in 2016, sort of implying that if Hillary got in, then that he would basically 
uh, not necessarily even concede and say, you know, obviously I haven't won. Congratulations to Hillary. Mm. And his base is so dedicated and they believe everything he says that there is real fear that regardless of how it goes, there could be serious civil unrest. Mm. And I think um, the other things that make Donald Trump still attractive is that the US economy is still doing quite well. Mm. If you look at the markets, I mean, it hasn't really had that huge crash that we thought would happen during COVID. Mm. So the markets are still going well. He's sort of campaigned on this whole, well, you know, we haven't gone to war. And uh, so there are a lot of... Um, Although they have just had the greatest, you know, number of fatalities since a world war. That's so true. So I don't think we that's needed true. a war. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you could almost say that this is a war, exactly. this COVID-19 crisis. Um, but I think it will be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, the polls, the betting um, odds you know, have, I think, um, Joe Biden at $1.50 on sports bet. Mm. And I think um, Trump is at around $3.75. Yeah. But, I mean, even those um, those betting odds, uh, they are not reliable yeah. either. So, um, But also we've seen how COVID-19 uh, has become central to also the Queensland election here in Australia. Mm. So the state election, uh, the premier there, Anastasia Palaszczuk, has won again mm. overnight. And... Um, you know, we know that she basically put a hard border between New South Wales and Queensland. and That's still um, in place for Sydney Siders. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, although she has opened up to just regional areas, which sort of seems a little bit bizarre. I thought so And too. places like <laughs> Richmond, which is a suburb in Sydney, yeah. and Helensborough in the south, yeah. they're suburbs in Sydney, yet they're not on that. Um, you know, that areas of exclusion. So well, it's like, some Sydney suburbs can actually still go to um, Queensland. Well, it's like Mollymook, where my family lives. Yeah. They can go up to Queensland, but they've actually had a couple of hotspots yeah. in the last six months. Yeah, so right. I don't know where that logic kind of sits. But it's interesting how, you know, she's someone who is saying, well, I'm keeping the borders closed to keep Queensland safe. And that has ultimately led to her... Um, having a victory despite all those tourism centres like Cairns, Port Douglas, the Great Barrier Reef, Mm. all those beautiful places in Queensland. That are warm. That rely on (laughs) tourists coming from particularly Melbourne. Yes. um, And and Sydney going up there to... um, Escape the winter months. Yeah, Yeah. that's not happening. So uh, it's interesting how COVID-19 really is the defining moment for all, all elections. And I think it will be as well for... Uh, the U.S. election. Yeah. Now, you and I are big fans of the U.S. We've both travelled yes. there many times. Yes. I've always been big fan of, you know, New York. My dad lived in Massachusetts. I lived there for three months last year taking care of him, obviously, before he passed away. So very familiar with the U.S., had a deep fondness and affection for the U.S. Has the last four years changed how you feel about or see the U.S. in any way? Look, I, um, I mean, I love the United States. Mm-hmm. I love, um, I love Miami. I love LA. I love New York. Um, they're really great cities, and I don't think the political, um, I guess, result necessarily reflects my experience in the United States. Mm-hmm. I think um, every time I've been there, I've had a great time. Um, but you know, I guess it is concerning that I don't think I'll be traveling there if there are a hundred thousand cases a day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I won't be doing. Um, I think it also has lifted the veil on so much inequality and this, you know, thing that we were all kind of willfully blind to, like racial inequality and how 
really, you know, that American dream uh, kind of messaging really only applies to the smallest percentage of Mm. the American population. And when I would go to America, I kind of fell into what it would want to market itself as. Mm. And now there's just, we know too much. We've seen too much. I feel feel quite differently about it now. Mm. I don't know if I could go back with the same level of affection that i had which makes me feel really sad yeah i don't think so either i think um i mean unless they get on top of the crisis the covid crisis i won't be going back for Mm -hmm. sure and um it's really sad because it means that it could be like if trump stays in power it could be 10 years before Mm -hmm. we go back Mm -hmm. um uh, certainly australia is looking at opening certain routes uh to various countries that they deem safe so Mm -hmm. i know that they're thinking about tokyo and New Zealand that started I think New Zealand people can go back but there's some sort of rule there Australians can't go to New Zealand Mm. yet though I think that's that's the idea but um so yeah I think that I won't be going back anytime soon which is do you feel nervous about the election yeah I do I really do do. I I feel nervous either way because Mm. I think there will be riots and we also heard from Donald Trump last week saying that he won't concede yes uh, defeat, yes. even if there is a Biden victory. So um, I think that that's concerning. I don't know what happens yeah. if a president decides they won't leave office, even if well, they've been voted out. particularly because you don't need much more than a pulse to get your hands on a firearm over there. Mm. Uh, so you have people who are in his base who are armed to the teeth. And if he doesn't get in and he is, again, as he does so effectively sort of rallying that really really strong support base of his to take up arms or to Mm. he just even has to refer to you know like make a statement uh and people will do essentially what he's alluding to which Mm. is really really scary i saw a couple of interviews with his you know ardent supporters this week who consider themselves sort of like civil militia Mm. And they were saying that they are, yes, absolutely prepared to take up arms if Trump doesn't get into power and that they are more concerned about uh, enemies within their own country, meaning Democrats, people who aren't politically aligned with them, than they are about foreign adversaries, Mm. which just goes to show like the misinformation and the level of uh, sort of indoctrination of his base has been really, really effective we could be literally looking at the next civil war. The also the other thing is is that Donald Trump is all talk sometimes. So for example, when he said I wouldn't leave office, we know uh, today that um, there have been talks between Biden's campaign team and officers in Washington DC to start the transition work mm-hmm. and funding to start processing security clearances those type of things so it actually is underway and mm. it is working so whether or not donald trump means it but the problem is is that when he talks yes um he rallies these hardline supporters and you know um his words have repercussions because you know people are looking at him on face value and saying well if he thinks you know he should stay in office regardless and we'll, we'll help him we'll get arms mm. and we'll 
you know, fight for the Republicans to there stay There is in. absolutely a process by which they can forcibly remove him from office. So from sort of a political bureaucratic perspective, mm. he can't really retain, unless he like boards, him, boards himself up in the Oval Office and <laughs> refuses to come out. Um, they can actually remove him. I think it's the ripple effect on his mm. base and whether or not uh, he encourages them to take action, which I think they more than happily will do mm, yeah 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 scary. so it is scary i think um i've spoken to but i've also spoken to i know a few people in the u.s and i know someone who's voted for trump um do you really and but it's interesting i will say in, in the defense of trump voters which i never thought i'd say is that there is also i'm sure a fear among trump trump voters that they can't actually you know, admit that they are Trump supporters in fear of actually being attacked. So Mm -hmm. it is really quite a sad situation because people have every right to vote Republican or Democrat. Yes. But the problem is, is that because Trump has polarized um, US politics, it's become almost very dangerous to um, be an openly Trump fan and, you and do. in certain areas to be openly democratic. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so that's kind of sad because people should have... Healthy debate. Yeah. Yeah. And they, if they want to vote Trump, they, you know, they can. Yeah. But um, I think there are is a lot of fear among people being public about how they vote. Yeah. Well, obviously, we will keep an eye on what happens this week and be taking very keen interest and many, many notes. And we'll obviously be discussing the results in next week's episode and maybe even getting some feedback from you guys depending on what that outcome is and i'll put sort of a shout out on instagram to see how you guys are feeling and we'll come back with and discuss all the results and any potential repercussions next week now you had a bit of a linked story that's a bit uh bit of an odd one do you want to sort of explain to people something about something that's happened locally in the last week or so so there is a cafe in sydney's inner city called hail and Hearty. It's a plant-based vegan cafe in Waterloo. Um, now we know Waterloo is right in the gay village. Mm-hmm. Um, it also uh, is near the eastern suburbs, so you've got a lot of Jewish uh, people that go there. You've got a lot of um, LGBTQI. It's very lefty. Yeah, mm. um, and you've got a lot of vegans who mm-hmm. um, go there. I mean, obviously there aren't many vegan choices, so it is very popular. The food is really, really good. Okay. The owner is actually really lovely. I've been there before. And he's always been really lovely. Mm. But um, basically, he's actually somehow managed to alienate the majority of his own customers through a series of social media posts declaring the restaurant as both pro-Trump and as a safe space for Trump supporters. They also wow. took time to endorse Pauline Hansen, And in response, a restaurant has accused fake vegans and the LGBTQI and gay community of abusing them. So a lesson in how to not market your business. <laughs> no. And so the abuse has all been in the form of comments in response to the business and owner, Mark DaCosta. Mm. He's posted a series of pro-Trump messages on the official Hale and Hearty Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, and now many former customers of the vegan restaurant believe that endorsing Trump stands in opposition to their values and in retaliation have decided to simply stop eating their food. Wow. So this all began because uh, the owner allegedly posted 
um, some comments about Trump on his personal Facebook page. Mm-hmm. This was picked up by, I guess, some of the uh, vegans that ate at his restaurant. And then they sort of exposed this on the official uh, business page on Facebook. Now, um, of course, we know that generally um, Donald Trump is actually not very pro-vegan. Mm. You wouldn't say he's a real... I just sub- saw Mike Pence ripping uh, Kamala Harris, uh, obviously Biden's VP pick, uh, for wanting to change the dietary requirement pyramid in America to reduce the amount of red meat. And Pence was like, Kamala and Joe aren't going to cut your meat. Great, great little pun there, Actually, uh, Mike. Yeah, and we know that Trump loves meat. He eats a steady diet of Big Macs and KFC. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wants to curb veganism and block Democrats from how do putting... How curb veganism? I Enforce meat? I don't know how that happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an odd one. And uh, like strange many of his comments. Um, and block Democrats from putting laws in place that govern the amount of CO2 emitting emissions so we know that obviously producing meat does have a greater effect on the environment and climate change but you know look at the end of the day we are um, mammals on Mm -hmm. this earth that do need to survive and do need to eat and there is a um a food chain and Mm -hmm. uh everything else so don't come for us vegans no (laughs) um but you know equally people you know i think um if you can do vegan, great yeah great it's down to choice so um so i guess the the biggest thing that really i found interesting was that this guy is going against his customer base that are vegan and generally vegans are more left-leaning yes um and so, but the problem is, is that I think he's entitled to his rights to, um, you know, support Trump if he wants to. That's completely okay. And again, this political shaming does need to stop. Mm. Um, so in his defense, I feel that, um, however, when you have a public page yes. or a business, yes. a mixing politics with business is bad. So I guess his personal page maybe but the problem is i mean i'm a journalist if i started posting my support for trump or biden on my private page Mm. um then i would also be in trouble because um you know at the abc we are impartial and we can't divulge our personal views on politics and Mm. so i think it sort of stands across all businesses but well yeah it's like me with my obviously i work as an eating disorder recovery coach and I have a public platform where I talk about things that are unrelated to politics. And obviously we have this podcast and we talk about politics and I make my beliefs and my principles known. Um, but I don't, that doesn't impede on my professional no. uh, interaction with people. No. I would never put something up saying, you're not you know, divisive. Exactly. I, I mean, don't talk to clients and say, are you a Democrat or no. you're a Republican? Yeah. Because it's on that basis that we yeah. can work together. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's the two separate entities. This um, owner, Mark DaCosta, he has posted some photos of him wearing a Trump sh- t-shirt in mm-hmm. the cafe. Um, he's now uh, also had a lot of Trump supporters come to the cafe to eat um, but he's posted what, all four of them in Waterloo. Well, no, they've come across from all I'm parts kidding. of Sydney. I'm but, kidding. Um, well, you never know. I'm sure <laughs> some would be in Waterloo. You never know. But there are, again, there are a lot of closet voters yeah. now. Um, ironically, closet in the gay community. Um, but anyway, out of the um, closet, back in the back closet, closet as a Trump supporter. Knows? Exactly. Um, <laughs> 
So I'm now going to read a post that was put up by the official Helen Harty business page on Facebook mm-hmm. in response to this uh, abuse they received for being Trump supporters. So don't interrupt because okay. you are probably going to struggle okay. when you hear this. All right. Uh, How quickly the gay community forgot that we put our reputation on the line back in 2017 when the gay community were in the fight for their lives for equality. Now, just to give some context there, back in 2017, Australia decided to put same-sex marriage to a vote uh, by the Australian people, which cost millions of dollars. And, uh, of course, the Australians voted correctly and voted yes. So now same-sex marriage is legal. By a landslide. Now, Not interrupting. It continues. We had it at the time knew it was a risk considering our core customer base was shared equally between the local Christian Hillsong community <laughs> and the gay equally. But I, Mark DaCosta, couldn't have given a shit about retribution, which is the same today with the attack we and I are receiving from the very gay community we helped and embraced and promoted and loved. Now, for only being vocal about being Trumpians, we are labelled bigots, homophobic and racist. Bitch, please, we have been one of your greatest friends since 2015. Stop the abuse, please. Can I interrupt now? Go on. Okay. So, first and foremost, huge contradiction that you are giving yourself a huge pat on the back for doing what is just basic human decency, which is supporting civil rights, mm. not political. It's a human rights issue that we were voting on, which we never should have voted on in the no, first place. It was it should politicized. Have, clearly. Um, so to pat yourself on the back for your performative allyship, which is, you know, just what you expect from someone who's just a decent person, mm. to then say, but we're also supporting a politician who in the last four years of his presidential term has tried to roll back trans rights, has tried to roll back LGBT rights, has supported his Republican uh, colleagues in trying to roll back uh, laws which protect those communities. You can't have both. You're either supporting a marginalised group Mm. or you're actively supporting uh, a political party who are endangering that minority. Mm. Like, they contradict each other. No, exactly. You cannot have... And you can't congratulate yourself for it. But then he also says it's a safe space for uh, Trump voters, but also everyone, including uh, the black community, LGBTQI, um, you know, every ethnicity and, you know, diversity and all that stuff. But, um, you know, Donald Trump also, let's not forget, wants to build a wall between Mexico and the United States. And calls Mexicans rapists. So basically everything that... um, Trump stands for is going against his customer base yes. at that cafe. Yes. So I'd be very surprised if it survives or maybe which we've seen recently there are Trump supporters that are going to this cafe from all over Sydney. Mm. So maybe it's going to be maybe they might even have a little election party. I would expect they would with need their to vegan travel, food. Uh, cuz there're <laughs> probably not go. a lot of them in Waterloo. Mm. Oh, my so, goodness. So will you be going back to this particular vegan cafe? I won't be going back to the cafe. I also just want to point out that um, this owner also put up a video in response to um, some of the abuse he received, again, on the official business page. Yes. So business and we want to we want to reiterate the response to this kind of conduct is not to be abusive. No. It's counterproductive. Exactly. I understand it. I also am not within those minorities, so I'm not going to tell anyone how to feel no. or behave. But it is counterproductive in that this person can then say, you know, can divert the conversation and say, well, we're receiving abuse well, hold on. and victimize themselves. You are a themselves. woman and Trump has also been quite 
you know, you could say misogynistic. I know, but I'm not, I'm not this particular No, but I'm sure women minority. go there as well. Yes. And Trump stands for something yes, that isn't very female-friendly. That's, that's fair. Um, but I won't actually read this out fully because he swears a lot, but he says the F word a few times. And then he says, I don't care about you. I don't want your money. I don't want your F masks. I don't want your F vaccines. I don't want nothing. All I want is normal people who don't abuse me and don't abuse each other. That's all I effing want. I don't effing want you in this restaurant. This was in response, apparently, to someone who'd posted on that page. So the inflammatory language also quite a lot. I I guess, you know, maybe this guy is upset that, you know, his Trump views on his personal page were put on the business page and therefore it's kind of led to this thing. But, Mm. I mean, again, if you have a public profile, you have a public restaurant, you can't be doing that. Yeah. And we we know that. He didn't even need to defend his position. All he had to do was say, this is a private view which has been shared publicly. It shouldn't have been. You know, I'm not here to be divisive. I am entitled to my own beliefs and views, but this has clearly caused upset Mm. and please don't you know let that detract from yeah he should have just shut it down and yes. said look this you know i understand we all have different views but again you know i'm very supportive of the vegan community also why is the vegan following associated with a left-leaning political view it's a bit bizarre isn't it i mean i get it because you know, i think because they're more inclined to have sort of um strong environmental yeah. views and green views and therefore that i guess you can more have traditionally left views and maybe you know i think it, things can swing you know, know you could be a vegan voting we're trump in, person probably i guess uh, we're maybe. in the era of labels we're in the era know. of like you fit in this I category know. and you're either like everyone yes. in that category it's or you do not belong or white exactly they are the views. There's no grey area. Nothing. There's um, no nuance. So um, anyway, so look, I think it is um, really quite awful to see that. But given, you know, we started off talking about the impending election and, you know, obviously the the more direct impacts of uh, the political uh, situation in America, just to see how much it is even uh, trickling down to local news mm. and local events here yeah. in Australia it has real consequence. It does. Really serious yeah. consequence. So my um, view on it is, you know, I'm angry and I think that, you know, there's some people saying, well, maybe he's just going through a personal thing. I mean, if I've gone through something personal, it doesn't give you the right to be sort of divisive and mm. use inflammatory language. And, you know, there are ways of coping with that yeah. that are more responsible. I well, won't you be don't, going there yeah, to eat. Yeah, there so doesn't need to be a flow and effect of hurt no. and abuse and... Um, and yeah, just poor behavior. It is, so yeah. I just hope that we are on an upswing and that we're not just going to now spend the next four years having the same conversation every week. I'm about, exhausted. I'm I am bored. so tired. I'm sick of talking <laughs> but about isn't it. Trump bored. Like, why does he want <laughs> another term? He's never stuck with He's anything in his whole life. Why is this the thing he wants to stick with? I'm also pretty sure he had to take a pay cut to become president. I'm, oh, no, he, he didn't divest any of his companies. Yeah, yeah, well, Which that's true. traditionally, yeah, like um, Reagan did it, mm. people who had like formerly been less a politician and more sort of a business uh, mm. person. Um, but yeah, look, personally, I really hope that this week brings some of this just unrest to an end Mm. uh, and the anxiety that it's causing in an already anxious time. I hope everyone's taking care of themselves and takes very good care of themselves this week Mm. to sort of keep as alert and on top of the news as is healthy for you, Mm -hmm. but to certainly take breaks and make sure that you're 
uh, staying connected with loved ones and and yeah, getting the support that you need because it really does have a big impact on mm. on individual mental health. We yeah. saw that in 2016. I'm sure we're going to see that this week. Yeah, I'm buying a bottle of red wine and a bottle of champagne. And I we'll will be drinking one or the other accordingly. If both. it goes badly, both. both. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm sure I'll be joining you. Yes, indeed. Um, you can bring your will, own alcohol. We will do a follow-up on the US election next podcast. Yes. So once the result comes in. And uh, I yeah. Think, I think we should probably wrap it up because I can hear a tornado is about to hit yeah. the, <laughs> the door that we're sitting in front of. Really bad at Exactly. The uh, which is hopefully not too much of a... a spoiler for what's coming this week no <laughs> so guys we'll be back next week obviously with a follow-up depending on what happens with the election this coming tuesday for our u.s friends wednesday for us uh and uh you all have a wonderful week and we'll talk yes go and for if it if you're listening in the u.s get out and vote make sure you vote has, hasn't the polls closed well yeah but you should do it anyway vote. yeah exactly you should just always vote <laughs> break in message. and cast your ballot exactly. kidding kidding we're not uh we're not advocating for violence <laughs> um so have a great week guys and we'll talk to you soon ciao